What's your favorite Bernie meme? Oh my gosh. I really like the one of him in the Sunday at Le Grand Jot painting. Mm-hmm. I like the one of him with the Cullens at their lunch table that I sent to you. Yep. Um, I'll probably think of more, but it was yours. The one where he's sitting alone on the train. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and... The one where it's just captioned as this could have been a meeting or this could have been an email. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that one, too. Yeah. They're yeah. all so good. Relatable. Good morning, good day, and good evening. And good night. Good night. Welcome to the Insomnia Report. Episode 15, baby. Woo, woo. I'm Margo. And I'm Elizabeth. And we are the two roommates that are friends living in Chicago that like to talk about the things that keep us up at night. night. <laughs> that is the smoothest intro has ever gone. I love it. Um, if this is your first episode listening with us, welcome. If you have listened before, welcome back. We are on another round of true crime this week. So very interesting, but also very sad. And yeah, that's, I mean, that's that. That's the summary. That's it. <laughs> I will go ahead and light the candle. Do you want to tell me what has been, what's the word? What's kept you up this week? Ow. <laughs> I pinched the lid on my hand. Oh, no. Hold on. Okay. For those of you that have listened to the past couple episodes, Elizabeth and I have a, a bet, a friendly bet, to see how long our first candle will last. My guess is it will go through the end of this episode. And then Elizabeth thinks episode 17, but a pint of Ben and Jerry's is on the line, so the stakes are high. They're very high. Okay, proceed. <laughs> um, What has kept me up at night? Well, recently I saw a spoiler for the end of Supernatural on Twitter, no. and it's a big spoiler, and I'm like really upset about it um get off your phone i know <laughs> that was mean you can absolutely- no i need to get off my phone it was actually on instagram that i saw it and it, it was kind of my fault but whatever um i hate that because i've been getting like bachelor spoilers and i'm yeah. i'm not for that i know anyway but wait so is the upcoming like is it on its final season because i've yeah it just it- ended oh, season 15 okay yeah so i yeah Anyway, mm. it's okay. I'm rewatching it, as I think I mentioned. I'm on season right. one still, but um, I'm sorry to hear that. That's so sad. It's okay. I don't know the context running, and I just know something that happens. So. Okay. Well, but. hopefully you enjoy it. <laughs> Thank you. Today, my coworkers were doing a happy hour because we had some people leave. Because I guess new year, new me, new job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we were doing like a happy hour and everyone was talking about this one show. And they're like, oh my God, I thought it was so obvious. Like I knew right. I'm like, I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> like I literally, I'm never, I don't even know. What so, show is it? 
I don't know. Some oh. show that was like just remo- renewed for a second season. Like huh. some British show, maybe? The. <laughs> Beats me. I don't know. Like it starts with a B. Like. Bridgentown or oh like, Bridgerton yeah <laughs> oh yeah I watched half of the first episode and I thought it was boring and I turned it off okay well according to all my coworkers, <laughs> they said like the first couple of them are a little slow but then uh-huh. it gets really good I know it gets like extremely porny <laughs> oh <laughs> maybe my. that's why they like it <laughs> oh <laughs> sorry okay. I can edit that out no that's um, fine well I mean yeah, I don't know I don't know. I who uh, knows. I will say the male lead is extremely attractive. Well, I hope he's. Have a you nice seen person. him? I don't. Let no. me. Sh- can I show you? Sure. I'm sure he is. I'm sure. I'm, like, why would they let a commoner? You know, like I don't know. Uh, I know. Oh yeah, yeah. Very, very mm. symmetrical face. Very extremely nice. symmetrical. <laughs> I'm for it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, what's kept you up at night? My sleep schedule is kind of out of whack. Mm-hmm. I started taking new medicine and like I just don't get tired now, which is, I guess, appropriate for a podcast. But um, but when I do sleep, I guess it's just like the lack of it or I'm stressed out. So my dreams have been really vivid. So mm-hmm. that's been weird. Other than that, you know, just the status quo of work is crazy. I work a very busy job. And yeah, that, that's yeah, it. That's, that's, that's all she wrote for cool. now. So, do you want to tell me about a murder? Yeah, or a crime? Like, I guess we don't have to restrict it to murder, but this is a murder. So. <laughs> I I guess when I think of true crime, I think of that. So I do too. Maybe I'll have to Excuse broaden me. my horizons a little bit. Whatever you're feeling. I always do this thing where I'm like, yes, I'm going to cover this story. And then I with, I always, without fail, change my mind. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. yeah that's just how I work. Well, well. Okay. All right. Have you been to Alaska? I have. Yeah. What did you think of it? It was beautiful. Cool. <laughs> I, I, no, I really want to go to Alaska. I heard that their mosquitoes are gigantic, though. Oh, I don't remember that. Like, maybe, but I went in 2004, my family and I rented an RV, and we just went to all the national parks, and it was one of my favorite vacations. That sounds awesome. And my dad read us Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's so nice. Yeah, it was. Well, I'm going to tell you something <coughs> slightly less fun about oh. Alaska. Um. Yeah, also I learned that Alaska is gigantic. Yes. Like, you can fit Texas, California, and Montana inside it. Yeah, like, on the little maps, they they just kind of make it look like a little thing, but no, it's huge. And mm, I, it's weird because you know how on, like, the U.S. map it shows the U.S. and then in the corner will be, like, Hawaii and Alaska? Mm-hmm. Ow. I always thought, I didn't know it was connected to Canada for the longest time. Like, I thought it was, like, oh. on its own island. <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> and it's super close to Russia. I can see Russia from my house. Thanks, Sarah. Remember when she was all we had to worry about? Mm. Anyway, I'm not. I'm done. I'm done. I'm so well, done. I feel better. I do. Now, I did not mention this, but I feel my my boss was like, I feel like invisible stones have been lifted off of me. And a hundred percent. Yeah, me too. Like I can smile again. I know. It's I just don't... like. 
yeah, I don't know. Just like something, it was just always there, even if I wasn't thinking about it, you know? Like an ex-boyfriend. Yeah. And then you finally decide to like delete his number and you're like, all right, bye. Mm. Well, hopefully he won't come back like them. They always do. Yeah. As you know. I <laughs> but, do know that. Mm, mm, um, mm. But we, America, sweetie, this one's for you. You're better than that. You, it's okay. Like sometimes toxic people need to come into your life, but just know that this relationship is not for you and I need you to be strong and, and you have a lot of people supporting you. I hope she heard you. I hope she's vulnerable. <laughs> She is. She is. Oh. Okay. Yes. I don't know why I'm I'm so weird today. Okay. So we are going to Alaska. Alaska. Today we are taking a trip, if you will, okay. to Crag, Alaska. Crag. I think that's how you say it. Craig. Crag. C R A I G. If you, I mean, it could be like saying the name Craig with like a boss mix and like Craig. <laughs> I'm gonna say Craig. Or I don't actually Craig. don't know. Craig? We'll I feel say like Craig. Craig. That was yeah. your gut, so go with it. Okay. I'll say Craig. Um, I probably should have looked this up beforehand. It's okay. I might be wrong. So, okay. Sorry. Okay. It's fine. Okay. Um, currently, population 1,201. Oh. It's actually on the island of Prince of Wales Island, which mm. is it's off the coast of the southern curvy part of Alaska just before it turns into British Columbia. So there's like Alaska and then it goes kind of down and it's like. Got it. Yeah. So on September 5th, 1982, the Colthurst family also decided to take a trip to Greg. The, the Colt? Colthurst family. Oh, so their last name is Colthurst. Mm-hmm. It's not like the Colt family of the Hearst. Like. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. Okay. Sorry. Colthurst. Yes. Okay. The Colthurst family decided that they're going to take a trip to Craig, too. Hmm. And they had a boat called the investor it was a 58 foot eight hundred and fifty thousand dollar fishing boat and the family consisted of husband mark wife irene who was pregnant at the time who were both 28 and their children kimberly who was five and john who was four okay and their boat also had a crew of four chris Heyman, who was 18 and Jerome Keown, Dave Moon, and Mike Stewart, who was nine, were all 19. Okay. And Mike was Mark's cousin, just by the way. Okay. And so they all got to Craig, Alaska. They were from Blaine, Washington. And Mark was a really good, Mark the husband, he was a really good fisherman and well known for his boating and fishing skills mm. and his fancy boat which at the time was very high-tech and very expensive. So they came to Craig and... Craig? God. (laughs) Craig, Craig, and (laughs) unloaded a lot of salmon, like over $30,000 worth of salmon. So yummy. I know. That Mm. they had caught, and they were hoping to catch some more in the area. Okay. Because the fishing season was about to end. So they got to stock up. Yeah. So that's why they were there. Mark was really well liked. He was a great captain. Yeah, one one friend of his said that every one of his crew wanted to be like Mark because he was one of the best skippers around. So Aww. it sounds like a nice guy. Yeah. So they're in Craig. Craig, god damn it. <laughs> Craig. They're Craig. in Craig. And 
It's Mark's 28th birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Mark. And him and his wife and his kids, they go to a birthday party for him at a restaurant called Ruth Ann's. It's near the docks where they dock their boat. Then after the party, they returned to the boat around 9.30 at night, and it started to storm. Oh, no. Yeah, which was very intense and loud. And then one of the boats next... I've been told that before about my personality. <laughs> I'm sorry, go on. We should name the storm after you. The Eye of the Margo. Exactly. Okay, I'm sorry. So okay. it was very loud and intense. Yes. And one of the boats next to the investor, their boat was having a really loud, wild party. Okay. So there's a lot going on. And the way that the investor was docked was it was docked, like, next to this other boat. So you had to go from the dock over the decks of the two boats to get to the investor. Well, that sounds like a safety hazard. I know. I I don't know. It's just something. I mean, it was the 80s. I I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know anything about boats. Oh. Just my dad can tell you a lot. Well, he should write in. Okay. And... Maybe he can fill in some of the gaps here. (laughs) Okay. All right. So they go to bed after the birthday party. The next morning, some fishermen notice that the the investor, the boat, is coming out of the harbor around 6 a.m. Okay. Apparently, these fishermen were very hungover. One of the articles I read mentioned that. I don't know why that's relevant. Very important. So the boat was coming out of the harbor, and it was super foggy that day, and... um, it went out and it like anchored about a mile away in this little cove. Okay. But it got really foggy and people kind of forgot it was out there. And then the day after that, people started seeing smoke and they noticed the boat was on fire. Oh, no. And one other ship or boat, I don't know, one boat. Came a vessel. A, a vessel. A water vessel. Some <laughs> kind of seafaring <laughs> vessel um, <laughs> came out to the boat to try to stop it and like help whoever was on the boat but by the time they got there it was super hot and they couldn't board i don't like where this is going and it was so intense that it took 42 hours to put out 42 hours yeah no this was a long time once the fire died down a little bit law enforcement or probably the coast guard or i don't know people who were dealing with it officials (laughs) deal with this (laughs) they boarded the boat and they discovered four bodies. Oh, no. Um, charred bodies. So Gosh. they identified them as Mark, his wife, Irene, their daughter, Kimberly, and Michael, the his cousin, who was a crew member. Oh. But the fire hadn't gone out completely, and it continued to blaze. And so then they had to wait a little bit to go back on the boat. And it, in, it essentially incinerated the entire boat and all of its contents. I'm surprised it's still floating at this point. Yeah, it was just like burned basically to the water line. Jeez. So investigators had to sift through two tons of ashes through mesh screens to recover a tooth and 10 pounds of bone fragments. Oh, gosh. Yeah. The other victims were presumed to be the crew, John, Chris, or sorry, John was their four-year-old son, Chris, Jerome, and Dave, the crew. And just a little bit about them. Um, Jerome, the crew member, went to Seattle University. He was an honors student. Mm. He joined the crew the week before this happened. Oh, no. The others, 
Dean was a high school football star. Chris, it was his 18th birthday, the day the boat burned. Dude, come on. No. And yeah, their four-year-old son, John, they actually didn't find his remains because they it burned so hot. It was like completely incinerated. Yeah. So it was awful. Yeah. But the thing is that the bodies, the semi-intact bodies they did recover and identified earlier, they found that they did not die from the fire they'd been shot multiple times. Ooh. So what happened? I would like to know. Yes. So so would I, honestly. But shortly after, everyone returned to the investor after the birthday party at the restaurant. Okay. Um, you mean Ruth? Yes, Ruth's Ruth's restaurant. Okay. Yes. Ruthie Ducey. Yeah. I think Ruth Ann's. Yeah. Like, yeah. So they all celebrated Mark's 28th birthday, and then him and his family and his crew, they went back to the boat after the birthday party. Someone at some point crept onto the boat in the dark with an automatic weapon and shot everyone on board. Well, it wouldn't be that hard to do, right? Because to get to the dock, you have to go through the one boat, right? Yeah. So... Yeah, you're right. So you did have to climb over the decks of two of these other boats, but they were having a really loud party on one of them. So, like, they didn't really hear anything. Sure. Okay. And it was also storming and stuff. Right. Um, So then this person presumably stayed on the boat until the next morning when he then drove it out, what the fishermen saw, drove it out and anchored it, about a mile away, and then returned to Craig on the skiff, so the small boat that was with the big boat, <laughs> small boat, big boat, a small flat-bottom boat that is, they keep, like, with the big boat, the big fishing boat. It's so like a safety can... boat type thing, or? Um, I don't really know, Okay, but it's, they, yeah, there's a, there's it's a small boat on like the, okay. one that a couple people can get in and kind of, like, go around and stuff. Okay, like, so more of, big like, it can move around. Yeah, but probably also a safety boat. Could be. Could be. Okay. So he got in that and drove it back to Craig uh, the next morning. Okay. Before 8 a.m. And then stayed in town all day and all night. And then the next day, some witnesses saw this dude buying gasoline. Well. And then returned on the skiff, set it on fire, came back in the skiff, and... People were like, like, what is going on? Right. Like, why are you in this boat? And he was like, oh, yeah, there's people on the boat, but, like, they're fine. <laughs> and then he got back to Craig um, and apparently offered to lend the skiff to anyone who wanted to get a closer look at the burning boat. And then he walked away quickly and no one saw him again. So some people thought <laughs> this just, guy just... was part of the crew and was, like, going to get help or something, but yeah. he just disappeared. So, seems suspicious. Yeah. Investigators sealed off the island. They were like, okay, like we need to stop people leaving. Sure. The suspect people reported was a white male in his early 20s, about 5'10", with straight brown hair and described as a sallow pockmarked complexion with rectangular glasses and a baseball hat. Okay. So they had a pretty good description of him. Sure. A few people had seen him. Alaska state troopers got to work. They were led by homicide detective Sergeant Charles Miller. He couldn't find any motives 
for anyone to do this because they were all really well liked. There were a lot of rumors about drug trafficking and robbery, but Mm. those were disproven because he didn't have any money on the boat and also no one was known to be into drugs. I don't know. Okay. Another theory was that a crew men had done it since they assumed, obviously, that all eight people on board were killed, but they couldn't prove it for sure because they couldn't find, because they were all burned so badly, they couldn't, like, put together eight bodies. Yeah. But the suspect didn't match the description of any of the crewmen. Okay. And also none of them were ever seen again, so they were assumed that they had died. Sad. Yeah. Uh, Another theory was that there was some rivalry between fishermen from Washington, where the family was from, coming up to Alaska and Canada to fish. But, I mean, no one thought that it was, like, it would be that extreme where someone would shoot them and set their boat on fire. One of the questions is, why did the man burn the boat in broad daylight after waiting for so long after doing it? Yeah. One article I read, the author thinks that he left the boat out there to sink somehow. Oh, okay. I don't know how. And only went back after he saw it hadn't sunk. Okay. So I think that makes sense. But Well, I did hear somewhere that it's common that murderers will go back to like the scene mm. to like check on things. So Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. Apparently, the police sort of botched the investigation. Mm. Like I said, they couldn't really put the fire out completely until the day after it started. And when they towed it back in, they left it unguarded. So anyone could have come and poked around. And apparently, they only took a brief look at the skiff, but were like, oh, the rain probably washed away all the fingerprints and like they didn't. Come on. And like left it. Yeah. So after that, the police released a sketch of the suspect. And a few people came forward and said they thought it was this guy named John Kenneth Peel. They're like, it's this dude, like, it looks like him. He was actually a former crew member of the husband, Mark. And he had fired him um, the year before. Okay. So that's... Suspicious. Yeah, that's a motive, possibly. This guy, Peel, was arrested in 1984 two years after the crime was committed, and then his trial took place two years after that. It was the longest trial in Alaskan history. It lasted like six months. Wow. And was very expensive. There was no solid evidence against him because it, everything was burned and etc. cetera, but um, it was only eyewitness testimony. Peel had been working on another fishing boat at the time of the crime and claimed to be asleep Okay, when it happened. So... Like, no one can really prove that. Right. Yeah. As I mentioned before, the defense tried to pin it on a drug deal or say it was one of the crew members. And to be fair, eyewitness accounts from four years ago were kind of unreliable. I mean, even more recent ones can be really unreliable. Right. Because you can think you saw something or the way people phrase things. It's like, so when did you see? I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You can make things up in your memory. Etc. Mandala effect. Yes. Yeah. That's so Among, weird. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. So the jury acquitted this guy, Peel. Okay. And then he was tried again two years later and was acquitted again. 
For the same thing? Yeah. Okay. In 1990, he sued the state of Alaska for wrongful prosecution. And... In 1997, he got a $900,000 settlement, which is a lot of money. Yeah. But I, I think most of it was supposed to go towards, like, legal fees and stuff. Yeah. So, I don't know. Okay. Anyway, after that, no one else was accused of it. The case is closed. They're no longer investigating. There is one Washington police detective who helped Alaskan authorities investigate named David McNeil, and he thinks that they actually arrested the right person. Okay. He said, just because someone is acquitted doesn't mean they're innocent, just means there's not enough evidence to show guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. Sure. And then one of Mark Colthurst's sisters definitely thought it was Peel, but then she met with him at a diner and, like, talked to him. And now she says, I don't know if he's actually the one who pulled the trigger, but I think he knows more than he's saying. Okay. So it's unsolved. And the guy who was accused of it walks free. And no one really knows what happened. That's so sad. Yeah. Credit to Robin Bearfield, who hosts... The podcast and writes the blog Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier, which is all about Alaskan crime. Okay. Which was pretty cool. I got a lot of info from her and to People Magazine. And then one last thing about Craig. I found this Wikipedia article that there was this other crime there in 2004 where this 16-year-old girl killed her mother and, like, posted about it on LiveJournal. Dude, That's no. a whole other thing. That's but, horrible. Like, I was like, that's just, like... For such a small town, that's too big. (laughs) Very big. Yeah. So it's really sad and a horrible, horrible crime. Yeah, that's really that's horrible. They were all so young. They had children. Like, how could you do that to children? The little babies, the five and four year old. There, I saw pictures of them online. They were really cute. It's really, it's just really sad. Yeah. No justice served there. No. Salmon, not justice. Salmon, but not justice. I don't know why I'm like this. Okay. What do you got to tell me? So listener discretion is advised, but you should know this by now. I would like to share a poem with you. Okay. This was one of my favorites while I was skipping rope. Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 48 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. Ah! Today, I will take you to the East Coast to Fall Rivers, Massachusetts, back to the later half of the 1800s. Meet Lizzie Borden, the woman who was accused of her killing her parents. Lizzie was born in 1860 to Andrew and Sarah Borden. Her father, Andrew, grew up with, I guess you could say, humble beginnings. He had struggled financially like he came from a family that didn't have a whole lot of money but eventually he did become a very successful businessman and he invested a lot which uh, he had a couple of jobs but like all his money went towards like investing or, or putting it into other things so he was an undertaker he made furniture and caskets he ran textile mills 
And he was also eventually the manager of a very big bank and property manager. Jack of all trades. Yeah. So while he was successful, he wasn't very well liked. He was, I guess you could say, cheap, just despite his wealth and in today's money, he had a net worth of about $10 million. Okay. Yeah. That's substantial. So I picture him to be, you've seen It's a Wonderful Life, right? Mm-hmm. I, I picture him to be like Mr. Potter, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the stuffy, frugal man that like doesn't let people off easy. Yeah. I don't know, but that's just kind of how I framed it. Andrew had a wife named Sarah, as I had mentioned, and they had Emma, who was the oldest daughter, and then they had Lizzie, who was born in 1860. One article said that they had a another sister named Alice, but she died when she was a baby, so that will never come up again. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, so when Lizzie was three, her mother Sarah got ill and, and passed away. So unfortunate. Um, However, eventually her father remarried to a woman named Abby. Abby wasn't a warm person by any means, and she wasn't really a motherly figure because Lizzie and Emma called her Mrs. Borden. Like, they didn't call her mom. They didn't call her Abby. They they called her Mrs. Borden, and they had, like, no warm relationship, really. Evil stepmother. Yeah, basically. Yeah, so definitely not warm and fuzzy. Definitely not like, you know, oh, okay, I I have a mom. It's like, oh, who's this lady? Mm. So basically, Lizzie and Emma actually had suspicion that, you know, she just married Andrew for his money Mm. type thing. Yeah. The sisters were sort of outcasts in their own way. Uh, Despite their family's wealth, they still lived in a working class neighborhood because, you know, their dad was extremely frugal, but they were still, like, too rich to fit in, I guess, because of, like, their dad's reputation of being super successful. And their father would not give them, like, permission nor money to go to any social gatherings to meet people because he thought it was, like, a waste of money. Okay. Um, additionally, you know, while they lived in the working class neighborhood, they had cousins that actually lived in an area called The Hill, which was like the fancy hoity-toity neighborhood. Sorry, where was this again? This is in Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, Fall Rivers. But yeah, super hoity-toity. But like, despite that, the Bordens lived in like a working class neighborhood and they had so much money, like they didn't even have run in water or electricity. I know it's like the late 1800s, but they totally could have. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Anyway, so both daughters still lived at home because, you know, they couldn't live on their own because women did not have rights. They were basically, they had to live at home until they were married, but they can't get married because they can't meet anyone. Mm. Um, And they can't go live on their own. They can't have jobs. So they were stuck. And... I'm thankful that we can live on our own in this apartment. I know. I love our home. So, I mean, Lizzie still loved her father like she really did, but uh, she didn't necessarily agree with how frugal he was or how he went about his money. And I understand that. Another thing to note is when Lizzie was 27, their father actually gifted their stepmother's sister an entire house for free. And that did not go well with the girls because I mean this made 
them upset because they've never got anything. And it's like, mm-hmm. why are you giving evil stepmother's sister, evil right. step aunt, a house? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that kind of left a bitter taste. And I think it like further and heightened their theory that she was just in it for the money. Mm-hmm. To make amends, he sold his daughters, their grandfather's like old house for a dollar. But like, I mean, obviously back then it was more money than that. Mm. But because of the laws, it was basically useless. Like they had to move back home anyway. They couldn't live there on oh. their own. Lizzie was actually pretty well liked. Uh, she was a pretty shy person, but because of the time she couldn't have a job. But she was very active in church. She taught Sunday school and... One article said she would, like, make cakes for people or, like, leave chocolate or something for people that would, like, come work on the house. That's really nice. Which, thank you, Lizzie. One thing I will add is apparently one article said Lizzie kept a roost of pigeons and she took care of them and she loved them and her father killed them because (gasps) he thought they were, like, vermin. And that upset Lizzie, but... Not the pigeons. I know, not her little pigeons. I mean, I don't... I don't love pigeons, but like that's but like awful. when you don't really have a whole lot of friends. Yeah, or like that's those are terrible. still her animals. I don't oh know. Oh my god. Um, now some sources say that this actually isn't true. Some did say it's true. A, a couple of sources said that this was kind of like added later to like add to like the mm. the legend of it, or okay. you know, legend has it, or so it. Mm-hmm. Who who's to so say? No who knows? knows? <laughs> Did she have bird friends or not? I don't know. You decide. But I thought I'd throw it in there anyway. There may have been pigeons. <laughs> there may have been pigeons. So um, something I forgot to mention is they did have a resident maid. Her name was Bridget, who they called Maggie. Uh, and she was from Ireland. But she, oh. they did have, you know, servants. Mm. I mean, they didn't. Anyway, their their dad spent his money how he wanted to. He made the money and it was, he's like, okay. Yeah. Anyway, um, so a few days prior to the famous murder, the family got really ill, and it was assumed that they had some eaten some bad mutton that was, like, left out, which is understandable because there was no refrigeration and, mm. you know, who knows, like, preservatives or anything. Right. But Abby, the stepmom, I don't know if she was, like, paranoid, but she thought they were being poisoned because Andrew wasn't typically well-liked because he was actually, like, a pretty harsh, like, banker. He wasn't mm. very empathetic or, or forgiving. So she thought that maybe they were being poisoned. So she went to the doctor, but he ensured her it's probably just the meat because no fridge. Who knows? Right. And it was also, like, the summer. So that mm. probably didn't Right. Help. This, like, is around August. I also will say that Emma left town. I know I said that they were like kind of outcasts, but she still did like have some friends. I don't know if it was from church or if she went to go visit family, but she was out of town. Okay. So let the record know. Okay. And that was on August 2nd where they all kind of had food poisoning. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, on August 3rd, a man named John Morse, who was actually their uncle, stopped by unannounced and asked to stay the night. He didn't have any, like, bags with him or anything. He just kind of showed up. That's weird. And he, like, he wasn't a rando or anything, but he was Lizzie and Emma's biological uncle, so their mother Sarah's brother. Okay. So it wasn't just like a, who are you? It's like, oh, Mm. hi, but, like, 
they didn't really have ties with that family as much. Mm. Maybe they did. I'm sorry. I, I speculated. So Okay. But anyway, he just he popped in unannounced and uh, Lizzie had told her neighbor and friend Alice that she thought this was like sort of odd. Like it kind of mm. raised an eyebrow. It's like, why would you come without any luggage or why would you just come randomly unannounced? And he was just like, I'm just going to stay like one night. Super kind of suspicious. Okay. So August 4th, they wake up around 7, they have breakfast, and then John says he's going to go buy an ox. One article said. Like the animal? Like an animal, okay. yeah. <laughs> or he, he had like business matters, so he left around 8.30 in the morning, and then Andrew went to work around 9. Bridget, or Maggie, she wants to be called Maggie, so I'll say Maggie, even though her name's Bridget. Maggie, Maggie the Irish maid, <laughs> uh, went to go wash the windows outside, and Abby went to go do laundry and make the beds. All of them were still feeling kind of sick from the food poisoning days before because you don't just, like, bounce back right away. Yeah. So Bridget or Maggie, Maggie went to go rest, like, when she was all set. And then Andrew actually ended up coming home around 11 because he was actually also feeling ill. Mm. So he said, I'm going to take a nap and on the couch and try to, like, sleep off my illness. Mm. One source also said that when he arrived, all of the doors were deadbolted and he had to get Maggie the maid to help him open, which he thought was really odd because, like, people were home. So why would the doors be deadbolted, you know? Yeah. Uh, because his key wasn't working. Some articles were, like, more detailed than others about like you know the little events mm-hmm. in between but i'm just laying all the information out there with these older stories you know everything's alleged who knows right so then after she let andrew back in maggie went back upstairs to take a nap or to relax and she lived on like the third floor mm-hmm. attic apartment or not apartment you know what i mean yeah so lizzie was home and apparently she went outside to the barn to do what? Maybe tend to her pigeons. <laughs> What's left of them? Oh, God. <laughs> One article said, like, she was like, oh, yeah, I was going to go get a fishing lure because I was going to go f- fishing, like, next weekend or something. I don't. Some she, excuse. Something. She went outside okay. for a period of time. And maybe this all takes place within... She's outside for maybe like 10 to 15 minutes or so mm-hmm. if we're sticking to this timeline. Okay. So eventually Maggie hears Lizzie scream and say, Maggie, come quick. Father's dead. Someone came in and killed him. He was found on the couch in a pool of blood. His face had been beaten in. It was completely unrecognizable. Oh, my God. And his face was nearly split in two. One article had mentioned that his, like, eye was in half, which, yeah, okay. So, uh, horrible, horrible. And so, yeah, Maggie the maid and Lizzie went to go search the house, and they found stepmother Abby with her face smashed in. So, the cute little rhyme from earlier got it wrong because her father had about 11 hacks, and her mother had, um... 19. So, like, not in the 40s, but still awful. Mm. I'm not sure 
about how they did any crime solving back in the day without yeah, like any forensics or anything but investigators knew that the mother had died first mm. so police came lizzie had called for her neighbor and said come quick like there's been a murder or whatever she said so they've signaled they they got the police to come and immediately the police thought it was lizzie because it was just her and her housekeeper lizzie had more reason or or more of a motive because her Mm. father was getting old he was like in his 70s at that time Mm. and if he died all the mother would go to the mother yada yada emma obviously had an alibi because she was out visiting uh with friends so she has like witnesses saying like no no she was like in another town Mm -hmm. and obviously maggie had nothing to gain you know she was just the maid Um, so they thought that it was about money yeah i mean that was like the main thing if especially if you're like the richest guy in town you know Mm -hmm. um they also thought, you know, it's because he, the father wasn't very well liked. Mm-hmm. But then at that point, it's like, why would you go upstairs and kill the stepmom too? Mm. You know? A crime of passion. Exactly. Especially because it's so many right. hits. It's like more personal at that point, I right. feel. You probably only need a few to kill someone. <laughs> right. Not that I would know. I, No, no, we wouldn't. But we, we've seen Just TV. speculating. I don't know. So they did find a hatchet in the basement that had a broken handle, but they also found like a bunch of other tools. So it wasn't just like Mm. the one. Um, Something to note is they did not find any blood on Lizzie. Mm. And there was no way she could have gotten all the blood off of her because there was so much blood. Mm -hmm. And within like a 10 minute time frame from when Maggie went upstairs to when Lizzie yelled, like they didn't have running water. Mm. So, you know, who who knows? Maybe, I mean, obviously, she could have, like, changed her dress, but mm-hmm. still, like, without running water, like, how do you wash that all off? I don't, I don't know if they yeah. had a well or they had to go somewhere. I don't know how it worked. But mm-hmm. um, so that was something. But when they interviewed Lizzie, police officers thought that she was far too calm given what happened. And they were all like, I don't like your attitude. Mm-hmm. So she was arrested. And she was held at a woman's prison until the trial, which happened almost a year later, the next June. Mm -hmm. And this was huge. I think this was one of the first major media spread, like, sensations because it was just such a shock. Mm -hmm. And it was, like, super popular all over, kind of like a Ted Bundy thing in the 1800s. um, (laughs) True crime fanatics, even back then. Yeah, exactly. What else would you do? I don't know. Hoop and stick. But um, <laughs> they had nothing else to do. <laughs> they didn't have social media. <laughs> they did not have the Twitter. Um, anyway, um, maybe like sewing circles. They had the Bible. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so at the trial, one pharmacist stepped forward on the stand and said that a couple of days before Lizzie tried to buy some sort of chemical, but he refused because it was, like, not a common one. And he thought, like, someone purchasing this wouldn't have good intentions with it. Hmm. Which is weird because it's like, why would you sell it if you're not going right. to sell it? Like, who are you going to sell it to then? Right. So there was an autopsy done on Mr. and Mrs. Borden. But, like, first of all, how do you do that? Anyway, I don't, I don't understand the forensic science of 1890. Like, I, yeah, <laughs> you know? I don't. I don't know. 
So there was an autopsy report done on Mr. and Mrs. Borden, but it came back that there was no traces of poison in either of them. So mm. it kind of, that, you know, was kind of dismissed. But they were sort of feeling a little better, right? They were feeling a little better, but I think like, I think it just stronger emphasizes that it was food because everyone felt sick. Mm. Mm-hmm. And if it was poison, there probably would have been stronger amounts. Mm-hmm. But again, it wasn't as advanced as mm-hmm. today. There were also claims that police officers, because Lizzie wasn't arrested until a couple of days later. So this mm-hmm. happened on the 4th and then she was, you know, taken in on the 11th. Oh. So they had like people like watching the the house just to, because it was such a big deal like people were crowding it or they didn't want anything but mm-hmm. one police officer says that they saw um lizzie and the neighbor alice like go down to the basement with like soap and then but i mean they could have been like cleaning the carpet or i don't know um it's a little suspicious a little suspicious but and then another one said that lizzie was trying to burn a dress that had paint on it Hmm. Yeah, I'm raising an um, eyebrow. I don't know. Even more. <laughs> what do they say now? Sus. A little sus. Say that? A little suspicious. A little, little sus. A little sus. At the end of the day, all the information brought, like all the ev- evidence, was circumstantial. Like mm. there was nothing they were able to like pinpoint it on. And the entire jury were made up of white men. I mean, what else would it be? But mm, they all surprising. thought. Yeah, they all thought it was extremely hard to believe that such a kind Sunday school teacher would be capable of such a a horrible act. Mm -hmm. And it only took 90 minutes to decide that she wasn't guilty. Wow. So now Lizzie and Emma got her father, their father's inheritance. And now they sort of live the life that they kind of always wanted or Mm -hmm. they could have had. They were able to split it evenly, and they had the financial freedom. So Lizzie did start going by Lizbeth now, which is not that far off. Like, if you're going to change it, go with, like, Agnes or something, you know? Change your entire name. Right. And she, like, never left the city. So she, like, stayed in the area, and then she ended up actually, like, buying a home in the hills, and she enjoyed travel and theater, and she, like, got out to go do things. But people were still, like, totally cold to her after. Right. um, Because this was such high profile. She would also throw parties and had, like, actresses and actors, like, at her house parties and everything. So she was, like, I guess, like, kind of just, you know, letting loose. She was, like, at the college stage of her life at this point. She did have a falling out with her sister, Emma. Part of this was actually because there was a rumor that Lizzie was actually a lesbian with an actress named Nance O'Neill. And, wow. Like, this was in several articles. Okay. So I, I don't know if Emma just wasn't a fan of that huh. or if, you know, they had a fallen out because of money or, like, if Lizzie confessed to her and she, like, couldn't do it. Like, mm. who knows why they fell out. Yeah. But Emma moved away and they never saw each other again. Wow. I'm not sure, like I said, if it was because she didn't mm. approve of her new lifestyle. Mm. But eventually, uh, Lizzie died June 1st of 1929 of pneumonia. And then Emma actually died nine days later of kidney failure. That's so weird. Yeah, it is really weird. 
They were both buried in Oak Grove Cemetery in Massachusetts with their family. So they were like next to them. In Lizzie's will, she actually left $30,000, which is in today's money, almost 600000 to the Fall Rivers Animal Rescue League, which, oh. thank you. And <laughs> she. Because of the pigeons. <laughs> Pouring out for the pigeons. She also put $10,000 to ensure that her father's grave was maintained and kept up, like, over the years. Wow. She also gave, you know, some money to family members and everything. So she, like, took care of people in her will. Mm. But this was never solved. Something also I want to mention is it was also suspected that the the random uncle could have been mm. involved because he just yeah. stopped in and he's like, okay, I'm going to go attend to business matters. But, like, what if he, like, came back in or he mm-hmm. never left? Like, I don't know what the motive would be there, but... Police did have him as a, a suspect, a suspect, mm. a suspect, <laughs> sus, <laughs> sus. He, he was a sus, but obviously nothing ever came from that, and the mystery is still unsolved, but, you know, most people think it was Lizzie. Mm. You can actually stay at the Borden house. They made it into a, bre- a bed and breakfast. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. I'm down. But they give tours, like, throughout the day. And it's said to be haunted, so that could be a story for another day. But actually, what's super wild is as of January 17th, so a few days ago, it was put on the market for $2 million. Oh, my gosh. But it's it's likely to still stay as a bed and breakfast. Yeah. Like a, oh, my God. So that is the story of Lizzie Borden. Do you think she did it? I think there's a lot of things like pointing to why. Like, I think maybe she just snapped. Mm. Um, like, maybe she had like the intention to kill her stepmother because I, I think, well, she was like the first one to die and she really didn't like her. Mm-hmm. And there was like a lot of tension. And then maybe she like thought her father would be so, like, broken and she didn't want her him to, like, have to deal with that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It could have been, you know, there was a lot of different speculation. It could have been, you know, because they didn't live in the fanciest area. People were trying to maybe use, like, it was, I don't want to say commoner, but it was, like, someone who wasn't, mm-hmm. like, either looking for a ransom or looking for, for something. Like, it could mm-hmm. have been, like, a burglar. A burglarly, a burglar, <laughs> burglar, a burglar, burglary, burglary, yes, burglar, a burglar. It was yes. a burglar, a burglar, could have been the, burglar. It could have been the uncle. I think maybe like what if Emma did it and she wasn't really far away. Oh, I I really don't think it was Maggie. I don't yeah. see poor little Maggie. Poor little, she's only got a turnip. <laughs> She was washing the windows. I was just washing the windows and then I heard my mistress. I'm so sorry to all Irish people. I I don't know how to do an Irish accent. All I know how to say is, well, oh, you'll be fucked. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying not to swear. (laughs) Oh, that's pretty good. All you have to do is say, well, whale, like, you know, beluga. A whale, oil, oil, beef, beef, hooked. Whale, oil, beef, hooked. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's pretty good 
<laughs> yeah. So, Good stuff. Yeah, we can definitely yeah. go stay if you want. But um, the room where it happened, not Hamilton, the room where Abby died was the guest bedroom. One of the, I think there's like four rooms you can stay at. Ooh. And then they, like, serve mutton for breakfast. Oh, no. Come on. Oh, I appreciate them for sticking to the <laughs> to the bit. And I guess they give out, like, Axe cookies. I'm like, that's so weird. It's kind of, yeah. It's a little bit. <laughs> um, okay. Hold on. Did Ghost Adventures go? Let's see. Oh, I bet they did. Watch Zach buy it. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Like, 100%. He's just buying everything. Yeah. But, like, it needs to stay a bed and breakfast. Zach Baggins. Can you picture him running a B and B, in like his little apron, serving cookies <laughs> in the morning? No, the man could not do that. He would make Aaron clean all the bedroom. Aaron, go in. <laughs> yeah, season five, episode five. I feel like we watched that. Did we? No, we watched Sally House. Mm. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. So. so um, Thanks for that. Rest story. in peace to all the victims. Super, yeah, super sad. Um, I hope I did that story justice. Yeah, it's um, very interesting. The thing about the old ones, though, is there's like even with the story I did last week, it's like all the articles kind of say different things or have mm. different timelines, and it's like kind of he said, she said at that point. Yeah, there's so much information you just don't know. Yeah. Oh forgot to mention but on history.com and like the lizzie borden section or whatever the article on history about lizzie borden said that in europe they were starting to develop like understanding for fingerprints so Mm. but the police in massachusetts for whatever reason didn't trust that it would lead to anything so they did not test like any of the tools in the basement for any fingerprints i'm sensing a pattern of botched <laughs> investigations. That's always the most frustrating. Continues to this day. Okay. I, like, I understand in, like, the 1800s, like, you don't really have a whole lot to work off of, yeah. I guess. But mm. what? Mm. That's all. Interesting. So, yeah, okay. that's what keeps well, me up. Thank, thank you. you all so much for listening. Thank you for joining us. We love you. We appreciate you. Yes. yes. <laughs> just just want to put that out there. We love you. You're very special. Oh, my God. No, don't ever quote that. Oh, my God. Liz is going to be screaming in the <laughs> corner. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. We do love you, though. <laughs> we do. No, we appreciate all of you for listening and for all of the support. It really means a lot to us. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or would like to submit a suggestion... What do you want to hear? Or if you have your own personal story, you can email us at theinsomniareport at gmail.com. And you can follow us on the socials on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Insomnia Report. And find us wherever you get your podcasts. And please give us a rating if you feel so inclined. Yeah. Like and subscribe. Can you like? I'm just used to like my YouTube influencers. Like, I yeah. oh, <laughs> <laughs> don't forget to like and subscribe and hit the bell so you never miss out on an episode. But actually, do that, but <laughs> please. <laughs> Not ironically, I swear. <laughs> um, 
it means a lot when you you tell others about us too. It just it means a lot, and we're we're happy to share this hour with you every week. So. Yeah. Tune in next week for a wild card episode. What are we going to talk about? Who knows? Who knows? Could be anything. It's a really good question, Elizabeth. I don't know. I already actually know what I'm going to talk about. It's really weird. Okay. I'm excited. So, so tune in next week. Yes. <laughs> I'm rambling a lot. So <laughs> I'm Margo. And I'm Elizabeth. Our cover art is by Erica Chase. And our music is composed by Colin Whitlish, and production of music is by Justin Toom. We also have our, another roommate named Randy, who is a little shy tonight. Our radiator. Our radiator. And we just radiate love for all of you. So. Aw, that's so cute. This was such a long... <laughs> we did so well with the intro. Okay. okay. Well, okay, so... The candle's still going. It's, it's still going, but there's like... On its last leg. We'll see if it lights tomorrow. Yeah. Or next time. Whenever if it goes we, out next time, then we... It's a draw. ...have to share a pint or something. Which is fine. Which is fine. Totally fine. Two people. But I did one. not win this one. <laughs> it's very close, though. It is extremely close. Like, it's, mm, it's... It is. I don't think it'll last much longer. It might last to your episode, but I'm a little sus on that. A little sus. We learned a new word, and now we're going to be annoying about it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. Stay sleepy. Yay. Good night. Good night. Good night.